Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host, Gregory Robinson. And I'm your co-host, Nicole Poznov. And we are here with Russell. How's it going? Thanks for being here, Russ. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Now, you are currently in your master's or your PhD? I'm in my master's, first year. First year, okay. So what what exactly are you doing uh, in your master's? And what department are you in? So I'm in the uh, Department of uh, Earth Science here at uh, UWO, and um, right now I'm just working through the initial parts of my uh, project. Uh, I currently work as an economic geologist uh, for a company out in northwest BC. So what is an economic geologist? Uh, So we very much look at mineral showings, and we try to classify them within certain types of mineral uh, or deposit models and from there we try to see how big these systems are and if you can actually turn this mineral showing or zone into an actual deposit that someone can mine. So what kind of deposits do you generally see? Uh, well I've only worked on one so far uh, that being said the property that we have has a number of different types of mineral showings but my specialty right now is working on um, magmatic nickel copper deposits so these are deposits that are brought up from deep within the earth. They work their way through um, the geology around through different cracks and whatnot, or fault systems, I should say, and uh, they deposit a number of types of minerals uh, along with the magma that's intruding into the earth. And what could this magmatic copper nickel, you said, right? Yes. What is that used for? Uh, So from there, the main minerals that uh, people are interested with these deposits are nickel and copper. So these are just base metals that you can use for a number of different things. Uh, nickel's used for batteries, so there's a big drive right now for the for the uh, green energy sector for uh, you know car batteries and whatnot. Copper, of course, you know you look at your car. There's probably a couple pounds of copper in there itself. So these deposits are uh, very much needed for the growing economies all over the world. Now, did you say magnetic copper and what was the other one, nickel sorry. or magmatic? Magmatic, sorry. So uh, what is uh, what's what's magmatic for the people that don't know? Oh Maybe. yes. So you got to just think about you know the center of the earth. It's you know kind of a, a fluid rock type of setting, not really uh, molten, but it's not really um, brittle rock and so under certain types of situations uh, especially like you know through big fault networks you can induce melting of the ma- mantle okay. and once it melts that's called uh, like magma or magma it will turn through. into magma yeah. yes I'm really just going over general parts mm-hmm. it's way more complicated than I'm saying right now geology but, 101 <laughs> yeah but basically some if people you, still need it guys some yeah. people still need it <laughs> but if you if you do melt uh, part of the mantle you can bring up material uh, that will be rich in the metals that you're looking for, like nickel and copper. The the mantle's cool. full of nickel and copper. And so to transport that up to uh, a part of the surface of the earth where we can actually reach, uh, it comes through um, these type of systems. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Mm-hmm. And so what do you study here at Western then? Why are you at Western? Aren't you working? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, the company brought me here. So I've been working for the company, again, as a, as well, more as an exploration geologist. I started out in a camp where they were drilling this deposit. They were trying to delineate the size of this thing. So I started uh, out working where, you know, they're drilling the mound, they bring down core, and then you have to classify that core. A geologist specialty is the rock. So once uh, you actually retrieve the core from the drill, you have to characterize it. And um, that was what I started out with. But 
these type of jobs, especially in Northwest BC, only go for the summer. The snow comes in and it stops your work. And I, of course, wanted to keep working. So they're like, well, we have no actual work for you to do here. How about you do a master's? Uh, one way for um, the general public and the world to understand what type of deposits are out there and to help with these problems is to get students to go out and do research on these things. It's very cheap labor for the company. Um, and so I took it upon myself to do this, and um, the company had affiliations with Western, so they shipped me out east, and <laughs> here I am. That's great. But did you ever think you were going to do a master's? Like No, not at all. After my undergrad, I was like, yes, I am finally out of school. <laughs> Been a perpetual student for a while. Geology was my second career choice after the first one I didn't like. and um, Which was? Oh, I uh, I did an initial uh, technical diploma as a mechanical engineer tech ah. in Alberta. So that's where I'm from originally. And um, I did a lot of stuff for like pipeline design, manufacturing design, a lot of like keyhole type of desk jobs where you sit with a design binder and I absolutely hated it. And so I hopped around jobs for a while and then I got laid off from a, a job and I was like, well, what am I gonna do? Go back to school? Sure. And um, I was actually initially looking at engineering but then I realized I'd have to do four full years to get an engineering degree, and I was like, nope, not doing that. And I looked at geology, and I got accepted, and I'm quite happy uh, for that sporadic decision. I forget what the original question was, though, that you asked uh, before. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> you probably answered it. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, so you essentially just did your four, four years in undergrad in geology or yes. something? And then just applied at this job and just happened to get it? Yeah, so uh, especially with geology jobs, um, it's kind of like a who you know type of uh, environment. So going to conferences is by far the best thing to do. Out in the West, you have um, Roundup, and this is something that's hosted in Vancouver, and they do this every January, end of January, and um, it's a great time. You get to meet a lot of other geologists in the field. They have uh, what's called the core shack, and this is where all the different exploration companies are laying out their findings that they've found over the year and years, and they're, they're mostly trying to get investors um, interested in, in investing in their company so they can continue their uh, exploration. But it's a good place for students to go as well, show that you know they're available, and if you shake the right hands, jobs will uh, very much come your way. And what's your number one networking tip? Oh, number one networking <laughs> tip is not to go ask for a job. Um, <laughs> especially at, when the, these people are at the booths, you know, they're trying to attract a certain crowd, not so much students, but the investors. So what you do is you find where they go out and socialize after. You buy a beer, you bring it to them, you say, hey, I'd like to know a little bit more about what you're doing. And with, you know, a 20, 30 minute good chat, you'll find that cards are flying your way. You'd really be surprised how how well just having a beer with somebody Big time. just helps in yeah. terms of getting a job or something. I agree. It's really surprising. Yeah. yeah. And, and people just want to see that you're interested, that you're generally curious, and you want to, uh, you know, do good. You're uh, a decent person. <laughs> yeah. They like and, you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I have to work with you. That's right. You know, especially with uh, types of work that I do when, you know, you're out at a camp, you wake up the same people, you go to bed. You know, you're, you're in the camp together, and uh, you Whoa, see what's people. happening, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's this job? <laughs> yeah. and you, uh, you know, they got to make sure that you can actually handle you for that whole time. So, yeah. yeah, in such isolated environments. <laughs> All the time, yeah. You don't want someone to go like stir crazy or. So, how does this relate to your your current project? So, uh, as I said before, um, we're trying to understand this ore deposit or a mineralization zone that we have right now. 
I sometimes drop the word deposit. It's not a deposit that implies that we have some sort of confidence in terms of what's there. We're still exploring uh, the ground. We're still trying to understand our to see if the uh, generic or deposit deposit sorry or deposit models actually fit to this, or if it's something else. So a lot of the work that I do is try to increase our confidence with the classification of this deposit. So you do a lot of stuff like mineralogy, mineral chemistry. Uh, you look at the textures within the rock. You see how they all relate. You're trying to understand a bit of the genetic history of these deposits. And, and, uh, and by going through with that, you might be able to find that there's more of this mineralization nearby. These systems are not really... Um, straightforward. They're very complicated, um, especially ours. We've gone through uh, a crazy geology history out in the West. If you think about, you know, the building of the, of the whole Cordillera, the western part of, of uh, North America, it's gone through a very complex history. And all that complexity translates into the complexity that we see at these deposits. So it's not like you're just looking for a pod of minerals. Like these things are broken apart. They're sheared. They've been moved around, mobilized, and so um, that all just kind of adds to the challenge of finding these things. So are, are you still actually looking at your, not deposits, but the thing that comes before that it? That site that you're working yeah, at? Yeah, that site. Are you actually still looking at that, like the the ore from that site? Yeah. Or are you, are you actually like doing something somewhat related to it? No, like I'm looking other? at that mineral yeah. zone, yeah. So no. it really is just a continuation of your job previously. Exactly. But now you're getting a master's out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And not someone's bad. paying for it, which is very nice. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing with these type of companies. There's a lot of this type of work that people would love to have on their different properties, and it doesn't really cost mu that much for a company to put you through your master's because, you know, there's a lot of funding that you can get through the government and all that stuff to actually do your master's. Like, a lot of my funding comes through, like, OGS and CERC and all that stuff, but if you have a company to actually pay for your analytical work, which costs quite a bit, it's still not that much compared to paying a full-time employee. Um, so do you have a supervisor as well? Yes, I have two supervisors. So um, Dr. Peter Lightfoot, who's a nickel expert here, he wrote the, uh, the Sudbury uh, nickel book. Um, he's what, he's our, the company I work for, the technical advisor. So he's the one that I chatted to to actually get into uh, Western. And he brought me over to uh, Dr. Robert Lennon, who is uh, an econ economic geology uh, geologist here at Western. Awesome. And so I know you've only been here for a year, but have you figured out any other ways to make money for your company from any results? Uh, there's always a couple things. I'm not able to talk about a lot of it right now because it hasn't been publicly disclosed. Um, we have to make sure that things come out in press releases first. So I'm, I have a little bit of a disclaimer on that side of things. <laughs> but no, there is progress coming forward. I mean, there's a lot of good results that can come from using the 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 equipment here at universities. Um, it's amazing what, you know, just a little bit of investigation into the actual rocks themselves can tell you. And, yeah, That's awesome. And so once you're done this master's, you go back to work? Yes. I hope to go back this summer for a little bit of time, um, but we'll see. I also want to finish it. I want to <laughs> be done. Um, the West is my home. As much as uh, I, don't, I don't mind being here at Western, I would very much, much like to get back to, to the West and see my family and whatnot. So. Yeah. And is there a PhD in your future, you think? Someone pays for it, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better than undergrad, eh? Yeah, I yeah, mean, cool. you look at the type of work you can go th go to in a, uh, as a geologist, and there's a lot of consulting that you can do. Uh, if I model what 
after what my supervisor my supervisor is doing not so much uh dr Lenin, but look at uh dr lightfoot i mean he's a consultant for many different companies and to do that you you need the letters behind your name geology is a little old school the the phd really helps with the confidence that i don't think that's have. just geology but sure yeah i mean <laughs> i i'm i'm in the geology world and i kind of have the yeah. blinders on to the rest of the world sometimes yeah. but um yeah looking at the the people who are kind of in that consulting around the the phd can can help I'm not saying that you, you need a phd but i definitely think it helps and that's a very competitive field is it not uh consulting it, it is or yeah. it's becoming at least now yeah what yeah. A, what what does a consultant do um well so you could have again a company like that i work for right now uh they raised money they know from prospecting that there's mineral zones out there that need to be uh, investigated. You have what's called green fields or even brown fields. The green field is kind of what I'm in. We're in new areas. There's no mines around. No one's really explored this area until we got there. But there's also other areas where people have mined. They have done exploration. But with uh, new understandings, you can go out and explore. And those are the brown fields. Either way, whichever one you're in, you need to raise money. so you could work with a company that's raised money, they started a drilling program, they're uh, pulling up core, and they may not fully understand the mineral uh, zone that they're in, the, the system that they're in. So consultants, um, technical advisors in that sense, can help out a lot with you know, their years of experience of looking at other uh, similar ore deposits, other mineral systems that do translate to this. It, it really is something that like you just need that like, 30, 40 years of experience sometimes to kind of show you the way. It's almost kind of like you retire to be a consultant, like once you're done your main I job? I think so, or? yeah. I mean, if I mm-hmm. actually, if you, if you look at it that way, I would say, yeah, like my one supervisor, yeah, he worked for a company for, I think, 25 years or so. And then once he got all that knowledge, yeah, it's people come after him. And I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to look for work anymore. He has to shut down work. He's got too much. <laughs> <laughs> he's a busy great. guy, but he's, a, he's an enthusiast. He loves what he does and it shows. How much is like a geologist or a geologist consultant? How much do they make? Oh, it depends. You normally, I'm gonna throw some numbers out here and don't no one out there quote me, but I mean <laughs> sure. I've seen anywhere between uh, six hundred to twelve hundred dollars a day is what you usually can charge out. It depends mm-hmm. what you're doing for a consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends yeah. on the expertise. It's not bad. Yeah, you got you kind of have to sell yourself, and I mean your experience also and your reputation shows that. But I mean, I think there's some people making some pretty good money doing it. And what other careers are there in geology? Oh, there's tons. Uh, I mean, I again work in the, the in mineral exploration side, but like you got to think about who cares about this information. So we go out and you know we show that there's this mineral zone there. Well, that information has to be disseminated into the public, into the shareholders that are in the company, uh, the people who want to buy into it. So that, you know, are going through the banks and whatnot. So you, you could work for the bank, basically, and be the person taking these reports in and breaking them down for the general public to understand. Hmm. Um, there's the whole, like, mining finance side of things as well, like, you know, where the money's coming and going. So understanding geology in that sense, understanding, oh, oh this is a project that is worth funding in, oh, this is the project that's not worth funding in. Having someone that understands that on your side uh, is is very very useful. So really, you can combine anything with geology, like anything like business, um, big time engineering, and like find a great job. Yeah, actually, yeah, since I've been here at Western, uh, half my courses I've been taking have been in mining finance hmm. and resource development, which uh, these are combined um, 
courses through earth science and law and they're they're invaluable i mean some of the materials a little dry some of it's you know kind of learning a new language geology is its own language um and law is its own language too it's one that i'm just breaking into but it's necessary it's it's under it's very necessary to understand that if you want to get yourself uh like a really good foothold in this, in this industry i so, really can't think of a single uh department or field that you can't mix with geology like even I don't know, even biology, like geobiology, oh, chemistry, geochemistry, yeah. like anything, right? Yeah. Well, we all live on the Earth system, and yeah. uh, everything's kind of connected that way. Never thought of it. There's before. no geo women sciences. Oh, I'm sure there's something. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to ask Maybe every every geologist this: Do you have a favorite rock? Oh heck yes. <sighs> What's my favorite rock today? Sure, let's go today. Let's go today. Oh, and then yesterday. You know, this time last year. Sorry? <laughs> and then this time last year. <laughs> well, the best one, my favorite one I saw in the last couple months is Stitchite. So I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Lennon on this one. Uh, this is uh, a tin bearing mineral. Okay. And uh, it's absolutely beautiful. This thing just looks kind of like it's just stark purple in a really green matrix. Like it, it kind of looks like. Uh, Looks like you're looking at a petri dish of bacteria. It's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal yeah. textures. Um, overall, though, oh man, that's a hard. It really is actually kind of a hard question. There's so many good ones. <laughs> How many minerals do you think you know? Oh, um, maybe like a hundred, maybe maybe okay. 150 that I could probably write down right now. Oh. I mean, there's over. Right, There's only like 5,000 minerals or yeah. so. but I just looked up stitchite. It's pretty cool. It's very <laughs> it's cool. Is it the purple one or the green one? It's, it's, it's the, the same thing. It's the, it? No, it's the purple one right there. The green is oh. uh, it, it's serpentine, so that's like an altered rock. These are uh, these are from like ultramafic rocks that have been heavily altered. So they're like mashed together sort of? Yeah. Cool. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite mineral, Greg? Oh, Diamonds. <laughs> diamonds. It's all about the money. Uh, yeah. You're basic. <laughs> well, yours, Nicole. Cool, diamonds are cool. They tell you a lot. Um, I don't know what my favorite one is. I mean, whenever in doubt, I usually just go with amethyst because it's my birthstone. But that's kind of lame. That is kind of lame. That's kind of basic. <laughs> I don't know. There was that really cool one from South Africa that they sold with the diamonds. What was it called? We just went to South Africa together. Oh, yes. And Fun times. They were selling it at the mine. Oh, which one? It was a beautiful red one. I don't know. But I it was like the same price, if not more expensive oh. than the diamonds. And it was I, w- just I went so right beautiful. to where all the uh, Tanzaniaite was. Maybe it was that. That was the blue one. So what's oh, Tanzaniaite? Oh, check it out. Yeah. It's, it looks pretty sweet. Can, yeah. can you describe it for all the viewers out there? Oh. If possible? It's just like if you get a really nice cut of it, it's this beautiful wow. dark blue. Yeah, it's kind of like sapphire. Yeah, and if you you know if you like jewelry, if you put that on like a white gold background, it just it just shines. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I hope everyone's looking this up yeah, right you now. Yeah, look listening. up all of those. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. How'd you like South Africa? It was great. Uh, yeah. It was very warm, as you would I'm expect. Sure. Yeah. Um, it was good to see. It was good to see the culture down there. You know, it's yeah. um, it's very diverse. Uh, we went from uh, very well-off areas to. Uh, very new and uh, impoverished area. I think they called it the Wild West of South Africa. (laughs) We went to one area where there's a lot of mining going on and they had over 400,000 people move into this area in the last year. 
All for like illegal mining. Just for mining. Yeah, mm-hmm. this area has um has has a huge unemployment rate in the in the youth over there, and so a lot of them mining? have. Not a lot, but a number of them have moved into uh, the illegal mining out that way. To, to That's make their money. own geology program over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, ge- the geology down there, too, is absolutely spectacular. We were able to walk into the past of, like, you know, 3.8 billion years into the past on the rocks. Like earliest life. Yeah, we get to see rocks that have signs for earliest life, uh, for single-celled organisms. Those were in, like, 3.7 billion-year-old rocks. Yeah. Wow. Um, Ancient and, stromatolites. Yeah. Like... And as, like we have a we have amazing geology here in Canada, but over there you can look at rocks that have been untouched by glaciation, deformation events, and all that stuff. Like the African craton, where everything sits, is very very stable, and not much has happened to it. I mean, they've had their episodes of glaciation like two point six billion years long, in the past. Long time ago. But you look at the rocks that are younger than that; they're basically the same as as they were once after deposited. Like they're just pristine condition. I found it amazing how every person you talked to knew like a good amount of geology too. Like everybody was either working in mining or something like that, but like they just knew the general geology of the area. Like no one in Canada knows anything. I feel like that's probably more their life if like they're actually mining it. They have to mm-hmm. know, right? And so they just pick it up as they go, right? But yeah. more likely. It's yeah. it's a big industry down there. Mining mm-hmm. is absolutely huge. I definitely found South Africa was way above my expectations. So everybody I recommend you go. It is oh, so time. cool to see. Yeah, and you also went for an extra extended time frame. Yeah, and just traveled and saw so many animals. Yeah, the wildlife over there is just phenomenal. Everywhere you go, there's monkeys, elephants, like zebras, giraffes. Like, you could touch them. It's amazing. Ostriches everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone speaks perfect English. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like their one of their main languages. Yeah, it's very easy to get around. All the signage is also mm-hmm. in English, too. So Radio um, channels. Yeah, it's a very easy place for people here in North America to travel to. Cool. Just the flight. Yeah. It's a little... little mm-hmm. It's a little long yeah. and expensive, probably. Well, it's not so much the expensive part. It's just being crammed in a tiny little seat in economy for uh, 16 hours. Mm. Yeah, it's probably not fun. <laughs> do you get yeah. to travel for your job a lot? Um, the traveling I do is mostly just... Well, again, my my main home base is, for the last little while has been in Calgary. And so to get up to site, I have to fly to Vancouver and then fly out to Smithers, which is about a 12-hour drive from Vancouver. And then I have to drive for um, about five hours or so to get to site. And then from there, from the camp, I shouldn't say to site, to the camp is where it takes me. And then from there, you usually have to take a helicopter ride for about 15 minutes or so. Just take a helicopter yeah, ride. Like it's my daily taxi. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Just a hop, skip, and a jump away. I am yeah. so jealous. <laughs> I mean, helicopters are great. Your first time in them, you'll absolutely love it. But after it's day in and day out, you realize it's the most dangerous part of Every your day. Bit. And you're just like... <laughs> You're just happy that, I'm always happy that we always have good pilots with us, but sometimes, especially when the weather gets bad, you're just like, I wish I could be on the ground right now. I'm looking into getting my (laughs) pilot's license, like, as soon as possible, and I I just find it the coolest thing. Have you ever considered getting your pilot license since Uh, I would love to, but like a fixed wing. I've Mm -hmm. flown fixed wing a couple times. Uh, There's a little airport outside of Calgary called Springbank, and uh, if you tell them that you're interested in doing flight school, um, they'll let you go out and take a little test flight, and... So for like $70, you can fly around for like two hours. Huh. So I was able to fly over my hometown in Camor, Alberta, like fly right into the mountains and That's fly around. That's crazy. And you can take off. You can fly around. They just want you to, they just land. But. So where, where is this? This is near near Calgary? Yeah, this is just to the west of Calgary in Springbank. Can, can you do it in February? I don't know. You, you should <laughs> check out. I'm pretty sure they fly. I see planes flying all year yeah. round. 
That would um, be amazing. Fun you, fact, I'm going in February. That's why I'm bringing it up, guys. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. You, you just have to call up and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about joining Mount Royal's uh, flight school. And <laughs> I wonder if it's cheaper there than, like, Ontario to I'm, do flight school. I feel I'm like not it's probably sure. more common there, right? Maybe. That's, I've hmm. never really looked into it. I know flight school hmm. can be... It's, it's a good amount of money. It's I mean, like ten thousand dollars. But then I think it's the hours after. <laughs> yeah, it's ten thousand dollars. Take a, a selfie ton of hours. It, send Aww. it to you, and you'd be like, "No." I'm so jealous. It's <laughs> not as bad though as if you want to get your helicopter's license. Talking to pilots, yeah. I think they they drop about a hundred thousand dollars by the time they they get all their hours. Wow. And yeah. then the demand for them is not it's as so low. Yeah. So you got to be like. I get the company to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every, every single day, you got to learn, right? Yeah. You have to learn. I mean, they'll save money. They won't have to hire pilots to fly around, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, so we only have a we only have a few minutes left. Um, I don't want to get you in trouble, but sure. is can you talk about like what kind of minerals that you're actually sorting through? Um, oh, previously yeah. in your job, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that. That's no. That's no big deal. Like when you look at like a magmatic nickel copper deposit, mm-hmm. your, your major base metal sulfide minerals are. Uh, you're like nickel mineral, which at my site it's pentlandite, okay. and then the the copper bearing one is chalcopyrite, and then we have uh, kind of a gang mineral or one that like once you mine this, if you ever mine it, the mineral you kind of want to get rid of. It's just an iron sulfide uh, uh, pyrotite. So most magmatic nickel copper deposits, the majority of the mineral will be this pyrotite, and um, again, it's just an iron sulfide. You can't retrieve the iron from it. You don't really want to deal with it. You just want to liberate the other two minerals, pentlandite and chalcopyrite, from that. So somebody's out there actually mining it, and then they bring it to you, essentially, and you say, like, oh, we don't need this stuff. This is Not what we want so to Not so much. That, that would be more of like, um, it's more like the uh, geometallurgist. So the person who okay. actually cares, who is responsible for looking at the mined product and actually understanding how they're going to separate it and then put that through the mill and you know, actually try and get the best recovery of the elements they care for out of it. That's more of a geometallurgist okay. point of view. Most of my work is, again, uh, seeing, again, classifying this deposit, seeing if we're, and then, and not just classifying, but seeing if we're able to find a bit more of these minerals. Okay. Yeah, so, again, these things are a bit complicated, so it's yeah. uh, it's a mess. Interesting, though. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. before we finish, I know you feel very strongly about SEG. Could you tell us a little bit what oh, SEG yes. is? Yes, and... uh, So I'm currently right now vice president of the Society of Economic Geologists. And uh, it's a great organization for anyone that is into economic geology. Um, for students, they give out lots of scholarships. So they give a couple of like $5,000 a year scholarships, which are great. That's money in your pocket to help you out with school. Um, they also put on a lot of um, field courses, different type of uh, events like that. But once you're done school, like if you do a master's or a PhD, they publish your information in economic geology. So it's allow- allowing you to get your information out to uh, the, the rest of the world that way. So it's quite handy. Um, and and do you have to be an economic geologist to be part of this group, or is no, it any geologist? No, any geologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah anything that <laughs> any kind of works in the, the hard rock industry. So anyone that's dealing with uh, the geology that's not so much like oil and gas, but anything that's kind of out other sides. If you're uh, a geochemist or um, if you're a geometallurgist, hmm. structural geologist, I mean, you can, I can throw a lot of subgroups here for geology, but it, it's kind of a little bit of everything. You, mm-hmm. know, you read the, the papers that come out of, uh, that they publish, they're, they're kind of all over the place. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming in. It's been a real pleasure having you on. If anybody wants to like learn more about what you do or 
or maybe even for SEG, like is there a site for, the, for that that they can go to? Yeah, you can go to the SEG. I would recommend Googling um, the Society of Economic Geologists because if okay. you put in SEG, they'll take you to a bunch of other places. Yeah. But if you look at that, that will definitely take you to all the information that you need to know. And then you can even look up the student chapters and then you okay. can find ours here at London. Yeah. And if somebody wants to get in contact with you, do you have any maybe like social media that they can follow or um, see all your cool rocks? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is a good place to go. Yeah. You can look at Russell Ashton on LinkedIn. Um, and that's most of the, if most of my information is there. So if anyone has any questions or wishes to correct me or <laughs> anything like that, uh, you can very much uh, shoot me a message that way. Well, awesome, Russ. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, no worries. Thanks for having me. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I have been your host, Gregory Robinson. And I've been your co-host, Nicole Poznov. We have been speaking with Russell Ashton, and this episode was produced by myself as well. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we are on CHRW 94.9 every Tuesday at 6 p.m. and every other Thursday at 1.30 p.m. You can also find our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night.